With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another episode of the Option, Option Pitch. My name is Rick Riggin. Uh, tonight's episode is titled, I Love Chaos. Why do I love chaos? Because I love chaos in the world of college football. And we had all of it, two, three, four, all go down this past Saturday. A lot of chaos. So let's get into what we're going to talk about on the show tonight. Of course, we're going to talk college football playoff action. We're going to get into the NFL quarterbacks, the state of the union, as you will, for young NFL QBs. I think the NFL is in a great place right now. Uh, my guest coming on here a little bit later on is going to get into this to this with me also. And also, maybe if we get to it, UFC 205 reaction, maybe Bad Bath & Beyond if we have time. I have no idea. But the option pitch starts right now. Listeners of the show can call us now live, 773-897-6327. After the show, you can download on iTunes. Uh, You can also listen live on TuneIn right now if you have the TuneIn app. But you can download on iTunes, check us out on YouTube just by searching the Option Pitch Radio Show. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash option pitch. And like I said, call us 773-897-6327. And my guest at this time. A man that you know, if you listen to uh, me on Saturday mornings and my guest Saturday mornings, the host of The Balance, El Presidente, Tom Marquez. Tom, how's it going? Fantastic, sir. What an honor it is to be in your presence on Operation Chaos Beginning. I love <laughs> I thought you chaos. were talking about the election. I thought you were talking about the election there for a little bit, but <laughs> well, this past Saturday almost had this is as much drama as the elections. I mean, especially for a guy like me, like I don't get into politics. I hate politics, but college football, come on, yeah, this is this is all me. I love the chaos right now. Well, I'll tell you one thing. We're getting into the college football playoffs. I know we're going to talk about that. It doesn't get any more political than that. And we've talked about it last last year on Breaking Rank, and we'll probably have a few of those episodes as we get closer to the BCS Bowls and so so, so forth. <clears throat> but it does not – you don't have any greater politics in sports than what we have learned to be the college football playoffs. 
Yeah, in a case you live uh, under a rock, you know, two, three, and four Saturday, uh, all lost. Uh, Clemson, Michigan, Washington, they all got beat. The new playoff rankings came out last night. I mean, Alabama's still number one. Like I said, on your show Saturday, I think it's going to take like four losses for Alabama to actually legitimately will legitimately be taken out of the uh, top four out of any playoff scenario, really, because I think the committee just loves Alabama so much. It would take four losses for them. Because I see a scenario in any given year where Bama has three losses and the way the SEC has been down these past couple of years, a three-loss Alabama team can get into an SEC championship game and win that and still make a playoff with three losses. I can see that scenario happen. But Bama is one. Ohio State comes back up to number two. Michigan to three. And Clemson just slides down to four. And the first team out is Lowly Louisville. At number six is Washington. And number seven is the Dark Horse sitting down there. Seven and eight, actually. The two Big Ten teams right now, other than uh, Ohio State and Michigan, is uh, Wisconsin and Penn State. Tom? Well, absolutely. I mean, I mean, we after one of the most wildest upset weekends, I mean, you, you look at some of these big upsets that happen, you probably think, ah, not much to do today. We'll just watch a little football. You know, nothing's going to change in the landscape of college football. Extreme, it, very, very wrong about that. It, I think it's probably one of the, the wildest weekends as far as college football goes in, in history. We had three of the AP poll's top four teams all lose on Saturday. And as, as you just mentioned or alluded to, the Big Ten certainly came out when the dust settled as as a uh, as really a, a dominant factor in the in the playoff scenario. Which, being a, a Big Ten fan and, and being a Big Ten alumni and living in Big Ten country, that's fantastic for us as far as the Big Ten goes. Because normally you you, you see like the SC, the SEC, you see you know. Uh, Everything but the Big Ten except for Ohio State. So it was an exciting weekend, and especially uh, if you were uh, Vegas. Yeah, you know, we got into some of these uh, scenarios back on the balance just past Saturday, you know, and I was like, there's no possible way because I'm looking at Louisville's schedule. I mean, their they're really good win is against Florida State is a blowout win, really. That's their best win they have in the schedule. Uh, but we, we're seeing Florida State is not that great of a team. And the rest of Louisville's schedule is pretty weak, and I thought just that alone would keep them out. But I wasn't—I don't think anybody was expecting a, a, a Saturday like this for two, three, and four all lose. But in a way, I was still kind of right because Louisville was sixth last week, and they just move up one spot. After all that happened, I think that the committee is kind of just seeing that strength of schedule that Louisville has, and that's why they're staying out of the top four right now. Which, you know, I, I get the strength of schedule, and there certainly is an argument there for strength of schedule. However, uh, I'm not a big proponent. I, I just I, I feel like I'm glad that we have the playoffs because I'm a big proponent, and I know you and I would love to see eight teams in, in, in the playoff scenario. And I think they should though also make the playoffs based on, well, just kind of a lot like they do in basketball, on a, only on a much smaller scale. And that's not based on, on strength of schedule. The seeding may be, the seeding may be, but certainly not the ability to play in the in the playoffs. Is it? So really, you could you could think about on the basketball side, you could go right to the elite eight. Now, who would you put in there? That would certainly be a, a, a different question in a, in a different time. You know, on the committee side, Washington dropped out of the rankings. All, you know, and they, they were in the top four, I believe. So. <laughs> 
this is all going to outside of Alabama. This is all going to shake up and, and shake and bake, and you know, and Clemson's got to be the luckiest team <laughs> in the world out there. Right. How about Notre Dame? We got to give it up for Notre Dame. <laughs> oh, big win against Army! I mean, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So you well, they know, got a, they got a big test this Saturday too. They had a big test this right. Saturday against Virginia Tech, so. I, I don't know. They 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 they're still alive for a bowl game. I I've read an article that just to go off topic here was going Notre Dame that even a five and seven Notre Dame team uh, one of the bowl games and the article didn't say which bowl it was would reach out to Notre Dame at five and seven. Ain't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought you were I thought you were asking me a question on that, so I apologize. Yeah. Statement slash slash the question. You know. <laughs> I, you know, I'm used, to being, I'm used to being with you on the balance, and you just breaking in whenever you want with uh, whatever you want to say. <laughs> well, it's your show, man. I, I don't, I don't want to take the reins, man. I, I kind of want to just follow, uh, follow the lead. But, but you know, let's let's talk a little bit about um, some bowl bowl games and bowl opportunities. And we're not just talking about the the the, the BS bowls. Or, I'm sorry, the BCS bowls. <laughs> not just talking about that. I mean, because in a lot of realities, even though. Man, what a what a bad loss it was for IU. And I, I was I was talking to some people that were at the game, and it was just that second half they just totally fell apart. But I tell you what, they they did not. Yeah, yeah. Penn State got the win, but I'm going to tell you what, they had to earn it. And IU is really looking to be a very good team. And as we joked about on my show, what universe do we live in? where IU could go to a bowl game and Notre Dame not. So I'm really excited to see how I, IU uh, comes out and how, how they do. But if nothing else, they're showing the nation, and they played on live uh, national uh, ABC uh, over the, uh, on, on, that, on that game on Saturday. So they, they're showing the nation that they can, that they can play some football. What's really crazy right now that, that you mentioned Penn State is – if things keep going the way they are and you see Ohio State and Michigan rank second and third, if everything stays status quo for the rest of the season, it's going to be Penn State versus Wisconsin for the Big Ten championship game and not Ohio State-Michigan. And those are the two teams that are in the running right now to be in the playoffs. Uh, I don't really – I don't understand that. You know, it's, it's how the, the divisions break down the Big Ten, uh, Wisconsin, how they played against the uh, – Wolverines and Ohio State. Penn State got the win against uh, Ohio State. And those are the two teams right now that are probably going to play for the Big Ten Championship, as crazy that, as that might seem. And I'm sticking to my guns about Louisville because if that scenario plays out, one of these two teams will jump ahead of Louisville just based off how tough the Big Ten has been this year and Louisville's uh, lack of schedule strength. You know, I want to I want to digress real quickly just because I just saw it come across. Uh, uh, Rick Porcella edges out Corey Kubler and Justin Verlander for the American League Cy Young Award. So, just breaking news for you on your show there, uh, Rick Riggin. Hey, Kubler is wiped <laughs> out in the uh, yeah in the World Series. That, that's actually pretty incredible. Absolutely. We're going back to going back to the point here. You know, all the upsets of last weekend uh, didn't have a major impact on what I think on what uh, the 
what we could look at maybe is some of the bowl projections, and maybe we could go through some of these. You know, Clemson and Washington are still in good shape to, to go to a bowl game, at least, obviously. Uh, and again, you know, talking outside of that BCS uh, and playoff playoff round, you know, and one one change has Michigan out uh, of the of the college football playoffs. I mean, that was just. I mean, Michigan lost. That was just an incredible loss. And, you know, talking about the bowl games in, in Notre Dame and so forth, they're, they're actually uh, part of the ACC bowl uh, pool. So some conferences may not fulfill their bowl allotment, if you will. Uh, and so there might be some opportunities for some replacements. That might be how politically uh, correct or politically said uh, that uh, Notre Dame can get into a bowl game this year. Well, they need as for me, they need to make it, make it to six and six. And in the past, at six and six, and get invited to a bowl game, Notre Dame would just reject it anyway. I mean, they should not do that because if Brian Kelly is serious as a coach and serious about his team, then they need to accept any bowl game they get invited to and give their players that experience and that much more practice and and, and playing time. I mean, that's only a, a benefit. I mean, I don't understand why some of these top-tier programs have a bad season but still get a bowl game and turn it down because that only hurts the program that way. Well, absolutely, and I think it all comes back to money and everything else. You know, I, we, so we do want to make sure that we talk about, you know, the, the Peach Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, and the title, title game, and certainly we can look at some projections right now where, where they're at now, and I think if we were to put some projections Rick, uh, together right now on paper, we probably wouldn't be very far off, at least unless we have another major weekend like we did last weekend, which is entirely possible. Uh, but I think, you know, what we're going to see, obviously, is Alabama in the Peach, Peach Bowl with Washington, Ohio State and Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl. In my opinion, you're going to see Ohio, Alabama and Ohio State in the, in the national championship game. How far off do you think I am on that? That I think that is the national championship game, the Alabama-Ohio State, because you just brought up Michigan a, a, a second ago, a minute ago, whatever. Uh, here's Michigan's problem. You know, them and Ohio State both have one loss, but they have to play each other here in another week and a half, something like that. Uh, but Michigan just lost their starting quarterback for the rest of the year, uh, Wilton Spate, broken collarbone. So I don't really follow Michigan football, you know, as far as their personnel they have on old Jabril Preppers is probably the best player in the country behind Lamar Jackson. Uh, their tight end's really awesome, Jake. But, you know, they had some really awesome players. But I don't know who Michigan's backup quarterback is now. And one thing I will say about Michigan and Jim Harbaugh and Wilton Spate, even though I, I thought he was a very average quarterback, uh, he didn't do anything to lose games for Michigan, even their loss this past week. Uh, he, he didn't put Michigan really in a bad spot to lose the game, but his average quarterback play, you know, kind of sputters the offense a little bit, and I don't know uh, who they have for backup, and I don't know how that's going to play out, but they're in a lot of trouble in these last two weeks of the season here, especially against Ohio, in Ohio, going against Ohio State. Well, I'll tell you what, if Ohio State messes around and loses again, that's really going to hurt their chances as far as being in the uh, the title playoff series, if you will. Certainly not going to hurt their chance of being in an actual po- uh, playoff game. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all comes down down the path. And, you know, uh, so the next group of bowls, games that we'd want to talk about, would obviously would be uh, the Orange Bowl. That would, that, there again, you've got the winner of the ACC and the winner of the Big Ten or the SEC. And so that there you'd have to look at that would have to be a Louisville-Michigan matchup. Would you, would you agree with that or – yeah, but, you know, I, the way it's trending, though, the winner of the, uh, the Big Ten championship game this year, if it, like I said, if it goes status quo, that team is going to be in the top four 
So is that the uh, is that the two national is that the two playoff games? Is it, I know Peach Bowl is one. Is the Orange Bowl the other one, or is it Cotton Bowl this year? No, Peach Bowl. No, Peach Bowl and Fiesta are your playoff bowls. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it, I, I think they'll slide in at, at a four spot. At, at the four spot, who are the wins wins the uh, Big Ten championship games? That's who Alabama will play against. And uh, I think it's going to be Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin right now. It I like them better in Louisville and, and Washington. I mean, they play great defense. I mean, I, I would put their defense up against Alabama. I think that defense at Wisconsin is that elite. Uh, I'm liking Washington, even I mean Wisconsin, even at two losses. We'll see our first uh, first time ever, even though the playoff history isn't that long. It goes back two years, but first time two loss team in the top four, and the first time we have two teams from the same conference in the top four. Because right now I'm thinking Wisconsin is going to win the Big Ten title and slide into that number four spot. You know, you're, that's a very good good prediction there. But there again, we look at some outside possibilities. Because as we saw last Saturday, Urban Meyer and Ohio State can be beaten. Uh, and if that happens in Michigan – well, they'll have to turn it around, but they—I mean—they—they're in no no dire straits right now. But other than you know losing their quarterback, Jim Harbaugh is very very good at coaching with the talent that he has. Wisconsin, Michigan are going to be right there at that bubble. Ohio. So what you may see is a shift uh, between Ohio State, Michigan, and Wisconsin. So if Ohio if if, if Ohio State loses, what's going to happen is in in Michigan, Wisconsin continue to win. That's going to change that that landscape and that scenario, uh, and so we'll see how that is. But I, I think Louisville and Michigan will be in that. Now, here's what well I would like, not technically and not not by by um, by definition, but just by the best way to understand it. When you've got in the in the NCAA basketball, as far as basketball goes, you've got what's called the play-in games or the play-in bowl games, and that's where these at-large teams come into play and or if you could equate it to cards maybe the the wild card or or, or baseball if you will or, the, or football with pro football with the wild card so you got two at-large teams now those will be what plays in the cotton ball so you got to look at western michigan and oklahoma in that in that bowl game there rick and that a large at-large bowl game which is the cotton ball sorry <laughs> yeah you know what and, and we're starting to get into some, uh, some of these teams like western michigan and uh who'd you say oklahoma state uh this is why we need eight no, teams. No, regular, regular Oklahoma, and you're right. Go ahead. Oh, Oklahoma. Yeah, well, <laughs> Oklahoma's another one of those two lost teams that all of a sudden looks uh, really good. They're back healthy again. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan's back. They're, they're, they're star running back. Uh, this is why we need eight teams. Uh, it, just, it doesn't work for four. It doesn't make sense to me to only have four teams. With, you know, you have the, the five power five conferences, for, for one thing, and you have – if you have five champions out of five conferences, there's only four spots to play for. That alone right there doesn't make any sense to me. That's why I won eight teams. Let all five of the conference champions come in. Then you have three at-large bids. I mean, that would be a perfect scenario. That that would be great. I know the ninth team that gets left out of the 18 playoff will complain. But right now, with five major conferences and their champions, the one champion has a a, a, a good – complaint because they won their conference title and they can't make the playoff.
Sorry. Oh, well, sorry, Tom. Here, go here, ahead. Yeah. <laughs> that was on me, I think. So here's the thing. You're talking about Wisconsin. The only logical place to put Wisconsin right now is because, like you said, they're going to win the Big Ten. Now, winning the Big Ten, that puts them in the Rose Bowl. That does not, And I guess going back to that strength of schedule, and I agree with you, we should have eight teams. I think the next logical progression would be not next year, but maybe the following year they'll they'll test the waters with six teams. I don't see them jumping right into eight teams. And let's let's face it, let's face it, the NCAA and the committee love love love. The, well, in your words, the chaos. So what they need is the ratings and the money. They they're able to control the ratings and money with the four teams and always having teams like Alabama in there. That's where the politics come in. Uh, so when you look at at the Rose Bowl, that, that's going to be your Big Ten and Pac-12. That's obviously going to be Wisconsin and Utah, the Utes at this point. Yeah, and, and that that's the big major key point right there that you just brought up. That's why it's going to stay at four teams because the committee loves the chaos, just like me, just like the Joker from Batman, just like you. Everybody loves all the chaos. It creates all this drama, and that's why there's a radio show on right now talking about the four-team playoff and how it's going to look, what it's going to look like next week possibly what's going to look like here in two weeks you know and when the last rankings come out for it uh, this is why it's staying at four teams because it's going to get ratings it's creating a lot of drama that's why we're talking about it and it's it's drawing a lot of money so it it's going to stay at four but eight would just be a lot better double the fun operation chaos <laughs> you know here's what i, I think though. you know it's a yeah, here's what I think real quick about Wisconsin is why the committee is keeping them so high and why I think they'll jump into top four is because that week one win at Lambeau Field against LSU. And if Ohio State, if Michigan beats Ohio State, I think they'll actually drop below Wisconsin, even though they beat Wisconsin. But if you look at the uh, non-conference schedules, Wisconsin has that win against LSU, and Ohio State does not have that big-time win. And that's why I think Wisconsin gets in the top four if they win out. Oh, absolutely, and that's exactly what I was saying. If they went out and, and Ohio State uh, finds a way to lose, then it absolutely changes the competitive landscape in, the, in that, in that uh, Final Four, if you will. The other big bowl game that everybody talks about, obviously the Sugar Bowl, that's going to be the, the winner of the Big, the big 12 in the SEC. I, that looks to be, be no, but no other than West Virginia and Auburn in that game. I'm waiting to see what Auburn's going to do against Alabama last game of the season in the Iron Bowl. That is the last hurdle for Alabama. Auburn has been playing really good as of late. I think it's it's always a tough game. It's always a close game. You had to kick six a couple of years ago. Auburn won that game against Alabama. This is a game I'm waiting on. West Virginia, they get that one loss. Man, they were one of the last unbeaten teams to, to finally go down, and there's a lot of buzz going about West Virginia. I love West Virginia, actually. Uh, it's one of those things, again, where you have Oklahoma with two losses at nine and West Virginia down at 14 in the same conference. It just goes back to strength of schedule. I just think the committee puts a lot on that. I, I actually think they put more on that than they actually do who wins the conference championship. So uh, we digress a little bit, but, you know, you talk about these great coaches like Nick Saban, and – they they got their blinders on, and the only thing they they on the only thing they know is what's going on on the football field. In fact, well, if you if you're to believe, uh, if you're if you're to believe, I think I know uh, where you're I going. I, can't with this. I know where you're going. I think I know where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Saban had no idea that Tuesday was election day. 
Uh, and uh, I know that the Coastal Carolina coach uh, kind of called, called him out on it. And uh, uh, Aria Stewart, that's the coach's name, uh, uh, certainly ribbed uh, uh, Nick Saban during an ESPN interview about not knowing that Tuesday was the election day. That's, I say that because that's why Alabama is always in a championship. That's why Alabama is always in the Final Four, because you have a coach that's so laser-focused on what they do, as we've said on my show, and, and other people have said, they're they're a, a they're a basically an NFL practice squad, if you will, playing college yeah. football. So they could probably so. beat the Browns this year. I mean, really. <laughs> uh, you're probably right about that. Well, so uh, you know, sh- shall we shall we uh, continue with the uh, the coaching? Uh, uh, possibilities and what ifs and who wears and what do's. Les Miles on the short list for Baylor. Les Miles on the short list for everybody, for that matter. <laughs> He's on the short list for Purdue right now. <laughs> That's yeah. it. I've heard that. Yeah. I don't know. I think Jim Grohl down at Baylor's done a really good job at what that program's gone through this past year and keeping them really. Uh, uh, a good team, a good contending team. They have a couple losses now, but they just lost Seth Russell, their, their you know starting quarterback for the year due to injury. They don't lose him. We're looking at like maybe a one-loss Baylor team, and they're up around the top ten. So Jim Crow, but Grove has done a hell of a job at Baylor, uh, keeping that program afloat through everything that Art Briles struck, uh, drug that program through. Oh, absolutely, and you're going to see Baylor in Texas in Texas A&M. Uh, in in the in the Texas Bowl, I'm quite sure of it. Uh, um, pretty sure of it. I would say you would see you would see them in that. So Baylor is definitely going to be the the team to to watch. And and if Miles gets that job, that's going to be a, a huge huge break for for uh, the the Bears. As as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, as a fact of matter. Hey, was it a bigger was it a bigger win for Iowa? Or a bigger loss for Michigan in Saturday's upset oh, against bigger, bigger loss for Michigan. I mean, that's a nice signature win for Iowa and Kirk Ferentz, their head coach. I mean, that that's that's the type of win you need to really build a, a strong program. But it, it's such a, a bigger loss for Michigan in two ways. One, I mean, now they're in jeopardy, falling out of the top four, and they also just lost their starting quarterback. Uh, that loss hurts. I think Iowa put the blueprint out there on how to sell it. Uh, Tame Michigan and how to uh, put up the, you know, they, you know, that game ended 14 13. So I would say the blueprint on how to beat that defense because that defense is really good. Uh, but the blueprint's out there now, and Iowa showed us, showed us all the way on how to beat Michigan. So that's, that's way worse of a loss for Michigan than, than it is a win, a, a good win for Iowa. Well, absolutely. You know, I kind of want to, we look at these playoff scenarios. You ask yourself and you look at what's coming up here in week 12. I mean, can Houston actually knock Louisville out of the playoffs? I don't think so. I think Louisville needed this game. Louisville needed Houston to still be unbeaten to actually slide back into the top four. And this is the reason why I don't think Louisville gets back in, goes back to the strength of schedule, because Houston has turned out not to be all that great. Uh, Tom Herman's got one foot out the door. He, I mean, he's going to go to Texas. and That's already a – mark that one zero. That, that's already a done deal, basically. Uh I don't that factors into why Houston's kind of fell off the map this season, but Louisville needed Houston to remain like, you know, to be as good as everybody thought they were when the season started. And that's why I, I think 
this actually hurts Louisville. Louisville might blow them out by 40, 50 points, and it's not going to make a difference. When the final playoff rankings come out, I think Louisville still is going to be on the outside looking in, and they need a Houston. They need this game against Houston. They need a Houston to still be good, and it's just not that way, and that's why it hurts Louisville. Well, you know, before the season began, Houston was was seen as like the group of five, if you will, of the best chance to earn a college football playoff berth this year. And, you know, with a huge win over Oklahoma in week one, really only solidified that. And, and certainly we, we, we talk about their coach, which we don't know where they're going to end up at. And, of course, you had the Big 12 with the conversation about them expanding. And, that you know, that, that didn't happen. And certainly when we look at the Big 12 as well, also, you look at TCU, really is knocking on the doors of Oklahoma State's Big 12 championship hopes. And, you know, I, I, would, I wouldn't put anything past TCU. And if they're talking about the, the, the competitive landscape changing, if TCU spoils the, the, the Big 12 championship for Oklahoma State, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, that's the last two hopes for the Big 12. And, you know, they – they lack a, a championship game, that 13th game, you know, that really makes a difference in the committee's eyes. You know, the Big 12 just takes whatever they see might be the best team, whether it's metrics they use, you know, who, who have you beat and who have your opponents beat, you know, that whole thing, that the, the nerd the nerd index, really, you know, as Mike and Mike would say. Or they use the eyeball <laughs> test on, on, on who they might think looks the best, you know. And they don't really have a championship game. They just have, you know, whatever their Big 12 coaches or committee or whatever gets together and decides who the champion's going to be. And that kind of hurts the Big 12. And then, you know, their top teams are all two-loss teams except for uh, West Virginia at, sitting there at one loss, but with the lack of a good schedule. You know, it, that's really hurting the Big 12 right now. They need a, an actual championship game. But a lot more chaos is going to have to happen in these last two weeks for the Big 12 to slide back up, up in there in the top four. Operation Chaos, Chaos, Chaos. Well, I, I tell you, I, I tell you what, uh, TCU and Oklahoma State. I mean, both of their programs are, are very, very similar in terms of their ability to score. So you can certainly expect that this game coming up this weekend is going to be a very, very high-scoring game. I just think that TCU really has what it takes to to come out on top of the of the of the Big Twelve. Talking about the Big Ten, Michigan State, Sparty. Buckeyes, that's a game to watch this weekend. You got you got to believe that that Urban Meyer has 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 had his sit down with his players, his coaches, and said, "No way in hell is this going to happen again this weekend." But you also right, know that's well where I was Michigan. going right there. <laughs> <laughs> but you but you but you also know dang well that that Michigan State has sit their players down and their coaches down and said, "Watch this tape, watch this tape." Watch this play. Watch this play. Do it again. Watch it again. Do it again. Be prepared for some surprises and trick plays. But I can tell you one thing. What was proven, Ohio State can be beat in the Big Ten. And Michigan State, if they come back to beat Oklahoma, I mean, to beat Ohio State, bye-bye, Buckeyes. Bye-bye, yeah. Miss America. That's what yeah, this is what, yeah. <laughs> this is one of those uh, scenario games where I'm thinking Wisconsin's going to slide up in there. You know, at least the, after this week, they'll be up there in that five or six range. You know, they'll move up a spot or two. The Ohio State loses. They're going to fall down past Wisconsin. Uh, you got Urban Meyer, you know, 
again, in this situation, playing for the playoff hopes against Michigan State, I, I really – I said this last week. I don't see a scenario this is going to happen. Uh, but you saw what happened last week. But I don't see that a scenario this week where Ohio State is going to lose to Michigan State. I think it's going to be a blowout. This ain't the Michigan State team we saw beat up on Notre Dame earlier in the year. That Something's happened with Michigan State this year. They lost to IU. You know, which uh, that's not really a, a slam. That's just pointing out fact. Uh, it's, <laughs> I, I don't see Ohio well, State losing this game, so it's not going to happen two years well, in know, a row. I, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. But, you know, it's fun to talk about, fun to run run these scenarios. Oh, well, and That's exactly what we were doing. That's what we were doing Saturday on my show is just running these, hey, what-if scenarios, me, you, and John Burns, and, and uh, just what the what-if scenarios came came to play. And, you know, as we talk about Wisconsin just inching their way a little bit closer, you, you got to realize they play Nebraska this week. Nebraska, you talk about a team that's underneath the, the, the radar. You know, uh, you know, one of the really cool stories of college football this year is that that really hasn't been talked about much on, on the national level is the fact that number 21, West, excuse me, Western Michigan has yet to lose. And it's all about to change with uh, uh, college game day uh, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, uh, to shine a huge spotlight on the Broncos. So you, you look at. I'm sorry, I did digress a little bit about from Nebraska. My point is being these under underneath the wire teams that aren't on the radar are winning games. And Nebraska, the Cornhuskers, can give a huge, huge battle to the Wisconsin Badgers. And that just goes to the next game that I was going to talk about, and that is you know, Western Michigan, certainly going to be in, in the national national spotlight. And they have not lost. Yeah, and then that, well, large, well, that large scenario we were talking about. Yeah, they, they kind of feel like that Boise State team for a few years ago. They were just kind of always hanging around the top ten, you know, with the Chris Peterson as their head coach. You know, he's now at Washington. That's why Washington is so good. That's Boise State's old head coach. Didn't know if you knew that or not. But uh, Western Michigan, to me, feels like, you know, Boise State from five, six, seven years ago. And what Western Michigan needs to watch out for is we talk about Tom Herman and Les Miles being available. Watch out for P.J. Fleck, West, Western Michigan's head coach taking one of these other jobs, you know, that are, that are open now or coming open. Uh, I don't think LSU is coming open. I think LSU has their man right now in Ed Orgeron, the Cajun cookie monster. I think they're going to – he's in the interim coach Hall of Fame. I, I think that they're going to stick with him. You know, I've, I've gone away from talking point you was wanting to talk about. But, uh, no, no, you're you know, right. it's your show, yeah, man. Yeah, that's what Western Michigan needs to uh, watch out for. You know, what what's going to happen with their coach? I think I think they're going to go, they're going to run the table this year. They're going to get into a nice bowl game, uh, maybe the Orange Bowl. I, I don't know if they'll go as far that high a BCS bowl game. Are you talking about in, what, you talking about Western Michigan, right? Yeah, Western Michigan. But yeah, undefeated. I, I think they're going to win out. Oh, they're going to be in the Cotton Bowl for sure. Absolutely, that's the two at large. That's what I was talking about earlier. That's the two at large. Large teams that, that that'll be in the Cotton Bowl, and and those those are your those are your other teams that you were also talking about in, in your in your playoff uh, scenario, and they'll they'll be there with Oklahoma. That that you can almost take to the bank, take it to the bank, sign the check, get the cash. It's goal time, brother. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's also talking about Nebraska. Eight, eight and two, they're having a fantastic year, and I love seeing Nebraska 
uh, with a record like this. And we're getting late in the season, and Nebraska's right there. I mean, they're ranked 18th. I think they probably could be a lot higher than that, being 8-2 in the Big Ten this year. Uh, college football is, is great when certain teams are really good. You know, Notre Dame's one of them. I mean, they're out of it. You know, whatever we know, we know about that story. But, you know, teams like Nebraska, Michigan, Ohio State, you know, all your blue bloods basically are, you know, your, your elite programs like this. When these programs that are having a great years, college football is a lot better. And I think Nebraska uh, will give Wisconsin a, a pretty good game. I think Wisconsin pulls it out, you know, in the fourth quarter. You know, they might win. It might look impressive in a close win. But uh, I, I don't see them beating Wisconsin. But it wouldn't surprise me if somehow they pulled it off. And uh, Nebraska is having that type of season. Uh, I just think something shocking here is going to happen. And a team that nobody saw coming, you know, earlier in the year, like like Wisconsin, is going to sneak in. Yeah, Western Michigan. <laughs> right. That's your team right there, buddy. <laughs> oh, you, Nebraska's going to a bowl game. What, what bowl game would you put them in? You know, at, at, at 18, and I don't know how they're going to finish yet, but these are the teams that seem to wind up in, like, the Champ Sports Bowl or the Gator Bowl, you know, one of these bowl games like that. I mean, they're not a BCS-type team, but they're on that next tier of bowl games down from whatever, you know, the BCS is. So those BCS games, uh, you, even the, the at-large games that don't go for the college football playoff games, uh, what are the next tier down? Whatever those bowl games are, well, that's know, where Nebraska's well, the, going to end up. Yeah, you're talking about you know the you're talking about uh, January second, December thirty first, and those, those type of right. bowl games. I, here's 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 my thoughts. LSU, Nebraska. I mean, yeah, LSU, Nebraska, the Outback Bowl. That's 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 the the path yeah. they're on. The Outback Bowl. That's that's one of those next tier next tier down type bowl games. That that's a good bowl. That. Like Nebraska, Tennessee, would that would be a great matchup, actually, you know, for an Outback Bowl. So that's where they're going to end up against Nebraska. something like LSU or Tennessee, maybe even Auburn. I was going to say, you know, well, you you hope that Tennessee can play better in a bowl game than they were able to do in the uh, Bristol game. <laughs> you keep thinking of Tennessee every year. It's got it turned around. They're going to be the team to beat, and then. You know, here they are, you know, three losses. It's the same old Tennessee story every year. And sorry to Tennessee fans listening, but, I mean, it's true. It's all this hype at the beginning of the year. They're going to challenge Alabama for the SEC, and here we are, three losses. Or, you know, last year they had four losses. You know, that Oklahoma had a comeback win at Tennessee against them, beat them in the fourth quarter. And that's just the way the season goes. That went for them last year. It's how it's gone this year. They could have easily lost to Appalachian State in, in the first game of the season. They should have lost to Appalachian State. Uh, I don't know why the hype is for Tennessee like, is like this every year because this is what they end up as. It's kind of like that Notre Dame thing where everybody thinks Notre Dame is going to be good. Like this year, they're supposed to be maybe just outside the, <laughs> of a playoff spot, and you know maybe it's that that same lore, that same just uh, aura that what? Tennessee football has around them that Notre Dame has. <laughs> Well, it's it's the good old Rocky Top, Rocky Top, and then it's uh, the the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Da, 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 da. You know, I wouldn't give up though. Seriously, I wouldn't give up totally yet on Notre Dame being bowl in their bowl eligibility. I mean, obviously to say that this year 2016 has been rough for Notre Dame, 
uh, would be an understatement in epic yep. proportions. <laughs> uh, but you know what? If you look at the win over Army, okay, yes, that was pretty much a given. As a, although I was rooting for my Black Knights in that. That was a, you know, just a, a, a <laughs> personal root for. But <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, we got on the board. Six points, baby. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, really going, in, going into week 12, the Irish are on really on the verge of going to a bowl or not going to a bowl. And it's really a must-win for them with a 4-6 and six record. It's just two more ga- games to play. And, unfortunately, the final two games are against teams that are far more likely to beat them than them, than them to lose to them. Uh, but, you know, first up, uh, Virginia Tech, which, as we know it, talking about Tennessee, there's the tie-in. Wait for it. There's always a tie-in. Virginia Tech <laughs> showed what kind of uh, team they are when they played Tennessee, and they, that was just kind of the, the, the downhill curve for Tennessee, if you will, uh, as far as uh, any hopes of any big bowl games. You guys got Virginia Tech coming up here in Week 12. Well, they're going to be there on their A gangs. Uh, Virginia Tech actually plays pretty good defense, and if Deshaun Kaiser, he, he's been really inaccurate throwing the ball downfield the past two or three games. And he hasn't been the Deshaun Kaiser that, that we're used to seeing. He's really accurate. He still he can run. He's very athletic, but he's had a lot of overthrows this year. And I don't know if that really just goes to the receiving core being young, receivers not being in the right place. You know, signals getting crossed somewhere. And his throws are, are just being untimely and and just off target. But they're going to, have to step it up against Virginia Tech because it's not the Army defense they're playing against. It's Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia Tech is and their that, offense is pretty average. Yeah, they're pretty average on offense. Notre Dame is no, better on did. defense. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, it's your sorry, show. This, this is the <laughs> No, that's your show. I, 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 it was that, that delay there, that pause that I do believe that I trained you to look for. And so it, that pause is really a delay in my ears. So go right ahead, buddy. Yeah, well, I, now I'm off, I'm off focus now. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I, was, I had some good stuff coming about Virginia Tech. Now I forgot. Uh, wait, yeah, it's Notre Dame. Notre Dame is going to win by one. They're going to win one nothing. This game's going to be that ugly. Notre Dame is going to win one to nothing in this game. <laughs> All right, Notre Dame. Now, guess what they got to do? They got to fly across the country and, and take on a very, very hot USC Trojans who, who's won six games. Do, do they got to win the next two games to get to a bowl game. I wouldn't count them into a bowl game this year, but hey, it's still possible, brother. What you're saying, so what you're saying, there's a chance. What you're saying here is we have a chance. Hold yeah, on, I give like one, because... one in a million against USC. <laughs> USC is looking really dominant. Uh, USC is looking like the team now that they, everybody wanted, was thinking they might look like at the beginning of the year. Uh, they look really dominant. They look like they can play with anybody in the country. I do not see Notre Dame going to the Coliseum and, and getting a win against USC this year. Sorry, Notre Dame fans. I'm a huge Notre Dame fan myself, if you're listening. 773-897-6327. Uh, give me a call and, and, and bitch at me, but I can't defend the Irish this year. You know, like I told you, Tom, you know me. I'm always one of the first guys to run in after a Notre Dame loss and defend them. I can't do it this year. I, I don't see them beating USC this week. I can see them beating Virginia Tech this week. I don't see them beating USC next week also. At five and seven is not going to get yep. into a bowl game. No matter what bowl invites them at five and seven. So I just <laughs> think it's it, – yeah. well, 
That one's that check's in the mail already. <laughs> you know, the thing about it, I always joke, I always say, you know how you can tell a Notre Dame fan they're the, they're the loudest guy in the room. How can you tell a Notre Dame fan this year is they're the quietest uh, the quietest guy in the room? I'm not talking to you. Don't talk to me about my Irish. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Well, anybody wants to call the show right now, I'll talk Irish football with them. <laughs> I mean, hey, it hey, won't be a fun conversation Coach, or something fun to talk about about this year's team. Is is Coach Kelly going to make it? Is he going to survive, or is he, or is he on life support? Uh, he's going to survive. He's built up enough cachet you know, over his Notre Dame career to have a season like this and still be okay. But he can't do it next year. He won't survive. <laughs> he's built up enough cachet, and he's got himself some cookies. He's good to go. <laughs> All right. So well, I think we beat. I think we beat up college football pretty good here, Tom. What do you think? <laughs> well, yeah, that's a that's a that's a that's a perfect uh, segue uh, into Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. Yeah. <laughs> we might get into Conor McGregor here. We didn't talk about on our show, did we? <laughs> no, we didn't get to it. Go ahead, know, buddy. Kenny Galloway is supposed to be calling in the show tonight, and he's my UFC my UFC expert. I do watch the UFC and have to talk about it. But he's the one that could really get into the meat and bones of it with me. Now he's expecting his call. He still might call. If he calls, we'll we'll we'll, we'll break into it. Uh, what we do want to talk about right now, like I said, the smooth transition into the NFL. So <laughs> the smooth transition. Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. Uh, I, I love Conor him. Man. He, he's fun. He's funny dude. He makes me buy all the pay per views when he fights. So. Oh, there you go. Somebody's winning out on that, then that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So the NFL, and I, you know, I sent you the text earlier. You know, you want to talk, I talk, talk about the young quarterbacks. And what I was wanting to do, I was wanting El Presidente Tom Marquez to give me the State of the Union <laughs> Union address for the young quarterbacks and their effect on the NFL. So without further ado, go ahead. Well. Obviously, you know the 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 elephant in in the room is the Dallas Cowboys uh, quarterback situation. Prescott, we look at and we look at uh, at Wentz with, I'm sorry, we look at Wentz Wentz with with the Philadelphia Eagles. Those are the those are the two the two uh, quarterbacks to look at. And let's face it, uh, Prescott has won himself a starting job, stole the job from Tony Romo. Tony Romo is sitting on the on the uh, sidelines saying, yeah, but you're not married to a supermodel, dude. <laughs> I, I mean, he look. was really, like, graceful turning the team over to him. I don't, you know, I guess that takes the, uh, a lot of courage to do that. You know, he came out yesterday, had that five-minute speech of just uh, turning the team over to Dak Prescott pretty much. But you know in the back of his mind, he's wishing for Dak Prescott to get hurt so he can – swoop right on in and once again be Dallas' savior until he gets hit and breaks his back again like a porcelain doll. Here I come to save the world, Mighty Mouse, his walk-up song. Uh, but, you know, uh, Dak uh, Prescott, which, you know, I spent half the season calling him Zach, but that's neither here nor there. Dak Prescott of the Cowboys by far gets to your A-plus grading uh, of, all, of all of the rookie quarterbacks this year. And, of course, Paxton Lynch with the Broncos, let's give it up for, for him. I mean, he step, has been able to step in, fulfill the shoes of Peyton Manning, and really look at where they're at now. Now, now <laughs> certainly, yes, he's not doing it alone. 
certainly he's he's doing a fantastic job. I like Connor Cook also, a quarterback with the with the Raiders. You know, maybe not as good as as what as a lot of people thought he would be, but certainly he's right there. You know, you got Brissett uh, with the with the Patriots who isn't playing there now, but you got to look at the the contribution that he was able to do during those four games that Tom Brady was suspended. <clears throat> and really, so that's that's why that is why because uh, a lot of people were worried, hey, can we win games without Tom Brady? Tom Brady is not your, 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 your Tom Brady's not why you win games. Say what you want about Bill Belichick, but he's able to coach the talents that he has rather than trying to buy or create talent that he doesn't have. So it doesn't matter. Hell, hell, he could make me a great quarterback. That's how good of a coach that is. I am a pretty good quarterback playing Nerf football in the backyard. I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, I throw I throw up my dog's bone pretty far, man. They they, they, they love yeah. They love the ball. Card, Cardell Jones, quarterback, you know, for the Bills. Carson Wentz, I think if you're going to give him a grade at the beginning of the season, when I, I think we've talked, you know, to Ed Kratz about this on my show over there with the Philadelphia Eagles, when he started out like just a Lighting the world on fire. It was him and Prescott, and then he just has kind of slipped a little. I mean, I still give him a definitely a C plus or a B as far as 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 uh, young quarterbacks. And you know, Jared Goff with the Rams. Come on, it's the Rams. They're in L A. Yeah, and he's getting a start this week. That's a very good point. And then you know. Uh, uh, Cody Kessler with with the Browns. Those would be my who I would say would be the top uh, people in the um, in the in the 20, 2016 uh, rookie class, and by far uh, the the honors by by far rookie of the year. And really, if they if they go if they happen to go and win a Super Bowl with Prescott, he'll be the MVP. So that's how good he is. But they're going to have to win the well, Super Bowl first, and I'm not going to give them that yet. <laughs> What 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 they have with the Cowboys now is you know, they got Zeke Elliott as the MVP. So I mean, I don't know. I think Dak is having an MVP year, but the uh, the State of the Union Tom was for young quarterbacks. It didn't necessarily say rookies. So I was talking about you know. Yeah, a, point. Point. Yeah. All right, all right. Would you consider Valid Andrew point. Luck a young quarterback still? Is this his sixth season? You think no. that's young? I, all right. No. So I, I, I was going Mariota. more for like Derek Carr, yeah, who is probably leading the way for quarter, young quarterbacks for me anyway. You know, Derek Carr. It was Jimmy Garoppolo played three of the four games that Tom Brady was was gone in, I, I believe, or maybe like two. And Brissett came in. He was a quarterback out of NC State. Uh, who was the fourth guy? Because we was when Ed was on the show, it, it was it might have been Julian Edelman, but I don't know who they brought in to play that fourth game. I don't remember now, but. Uh, was it Charlie Whitehurst? I mean, who, who was it? <laughs> uh, that's a valid. That's a valid point. But you know, you talk about young quarterbacks. If you wanted to talk about young quarterbacks, as far as I would know, I, no, I definitely would not. I, I think once you get over that three-year hump, you're no longer a young quarterback in the NFL. You, you, you've, you've been around long enough. And with Luck having the injury that he had, that put him, at, you know, at pretty much out for a while took him out of the young quarterback conversation. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I don't put him in the count. Marcus Mariota, most definitely. I think Mariota's a good one. Uh, 
yeah, Brock Osweiler, you know, you give him another year or two in Bill O'Brien's uh, system, uh, he's got all the size. He's always a 6'5", 6'6", huge arm. You, you give him another year, he's got DeAndre Hopkins, who has his own, like, gravitational pull. If you throw a ball within 20 yards of him, he's going to catch it. Uh, you give him, Osweiler another year or two in that system, he's going to be – I, I don't know if it's a stretch saying a top 10 quarterback, but – one of these top quarterbacks that you're uh, not really going to want to play, you know, if, uh, go against like Mariota or uh, Derek Carr. Derek Carr right now, I think, is playing like a top ten quarterback. Well, you got you got to also talk about Jamison Winston. Look at look at what he's been able to do, and and certainly he's he's put some some uh, good actions on the field. I know a lot of people were kind of worried and concerned about him, and you know, if you want to talk about the biggest uh, maybe a success factor from what he was in college and all the behind the scenes and off the the field sort of stuff really um yeah i i am impressed i i am totally totally uh totally impressed he's had some accuracy With, uh, issues uh, this year uh he, he's overthrowing like mike evans who's like 6667 you know i don't know if you can overthrow a guy like that but he's missing a lot of throws to evans having some accuracy issues i don't know if it's just still learning the system be on the right page with the receivers uh, but, yeah, you give him another year in, the, in that offense also. Uh, now who's their head coach? Dirt Cutter? Is that that Tampa Bay's For, head coach? Uh, Tampa? I think yeah. so. Yeah, all right. Brain fart. But, yeah, yeah. I yeah, me too. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I have those issues when I uh, drink too much and go to the bathroom, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Rickon, option pitch. Right. <laughs> nice talk nice with you, Rick. My final episode with the with the option pitch. <laughs> so callers, they can call in and talk to Tom right now. You know, I guess we have Sinbad here in studio with us. It's a seven seven three eight nine seven six three two seven. Coming down to the final of the show here. We'll wrap up the. Uh, NFL discussion. Talk about Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor with Conor a big McGregor. win. He's got two belts now. Featherweight, lightweight. The next one in line is the welterweight. I mean, those guys are a little bigger, punch a different type of power in the welterweight division. But uh, I don't know. He he might be able to do it. He's got the unorthodox fighting style. Guys can't really touch him that well. He doesn't seem that strong on the ground. But you don't want to stand there and throw hands with him. Uh I don't know where to go with this without Kenny because I was going to run down the whole roster and Tom and all you don't really watch it as much as me and Kenny do. So I can't really do a UFC conversation with you, but uh, uh, what can you tell me about the UFC? <laughs> Conor McGregor! Conor McGregor! I know the dude's going to be Yeah, of course, you, chat, got Ronda, you got Ronda Rousey coming back at, at the next pay-per-view next month. Uh, I, don't, I can't remember the day. I think it's like actually December 30th is the uh, – UFC 206, Ronda Rousey's return. That's probably going to be her last fight, either win or lose. Uh, she's going to fight Amanda Nunez for the belt, actually. Amanda Nunez destroyed uh, my favorite female fighter, Misha Tate, which I didn't see that coming. That only took about a minute. Uh, for me, right now, I don't see Ronda Rousey you know, being gone for as long as she has and coming back and getting a win against uh, Amanda Nunez because Amanda Nunez is really good. It's a really good fighter, very powerful, very fast. Uh, I don't think Ronda Rousey has, has fought somebody uh, with the strength and speed of Emmanuel Nunez yet, even though Holly Holm, she lost to not real fast, but big, strong, big, strong fighter. Uh, I don't see Ronda Rousey 
uh, winning this one. I mean, Mana Nunez right now looks like she's going to dominate this division for a little bit. So, uh, Tom, you got anything to add for the UFC? Conor McGregor! (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, this Sunday... You got the WWE Survivor Series, Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg. Uh, Goldberg's a nice novelty to bring back for a month, but he hasn't wrestled in 12 years, so I don't see him stepping into the ring. Even though it's, it's scripted, WWE, you know, whatever you want to say about it, it's entertaining as hell to watch, but I don't see uh, Goldberg really coming in. And as much as the fans would love it, be a fan favorite thing, you know, I don't see Goldberg really beating Brock Lesnar. Although they'll have drama throughout the match. You know, it'd be a really good match because that's just how WWE draws it up. But uh, I see Lesnar getting the big Survivor Series win. I guess you don't watch WWE either, do you? <laughs> no. Uh, and I, nothing against it. I mean, I, it's all, you know, I'm all about the real sports. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's nothing oh, well, you know, it, show at all, you know. <laughs> well, here's one thing about my show, the option pitch. And, you know, it, it's really a variety show disguised as a college football show. I'll get into all kinds of topics. <laughs> I just don't get real political. I don't get into politics. But fans uh, of the show call in, talk wrestling, talk UFC, talk TV shows like The Walking Dead. I watch The Walking Dead. I love The Walking Dead. Uh, you have to talk about Breaking say, Bad, yeah, even though it hasn't been on for a couple of years. I was going to say, you, you promised me some zombie talk. We didn't have any zombie talk tonight. Well, do you watch The Walking Dead? <laughs> I have no, I've never seen the show. I mean, I'm very familiar well, with there you the go. show. We can't really have zombie talk. Uh, zombie uh, talk. Apparently, I'm learning now. All this time, I thought it was about zombies, and there's no zombies that are that are prevalent anymore. So, uh, yeah, they're still a part of the show. I mean, but you know, they're just more of a of a nuisance, really, anymore. You know, it's just they're just there. They 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 die easily. You can kill them easily. It, it's really the people and the groups of people you run into along the way that are. Killing everybody else, trying to take everybody else's stuff to survive. You know, that's really where the show is headed. It's it's the people you have to watch out for, not the zombies. So that's where The Walking Dead is now. We have hit the point of the season where the, the episodes take more of a sideways. You know, they have these, these little side stories for characters, which I cannot stand. I wish they would just advance the, the, the story forward instead of having these two or three or four episodes in a row that have nothing to do with advancing the story forward. Yeah, it kind of turns me off to the show a bit. But, yeah, just move it forward, uh, push it along, but then they come out with an episode that really, you know, blows you away and gets you hooked on the show again, like the, the season one, you know, not season one, the, the first episode, the season premiere of this, uh, this season did. You know, that's probably the best Walking Dead episode ever. But now we're into the sideways stuff, so we'll have this for a couple more episodes, and then we'll have you know, another big time character get killed off. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, Tom, I will give you the final word, the final word of the show, whatever you want to talk the about. Final, the, the final word. The, I sent it, I sent it over to you. Did you see the Ron Burgundy Anchorman tribute to the Cubs? It's great. I'm going to put it up on social media here in just a little bit. You got to watch it. You know, really the final okay. word is, uh, is this, is, <laughs> I, I agree that there should be eight teams uh, when it comes to, to the college football player. I mean, I'm totally with you on that, Rick. But here's the thing. It, it's going to take money away. It's going to take, it's gonna take uh, viewership away. And Alabama's never going to go for it. So, I mean, Alabama's on the committee. You do know that. You know Nick Saban's actually on the committee, don't you? He's not on the committee. <laughs> he's not on the committee. <laughs> no, he's not. 
you know, but I tell you, who, I tell you who is, and that's Andrew Luck's father, Oliver Luck. He he really is on the committee. That's 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 a true story. So that is true. So is Condoleezza Rice. <laughs> <laughs> and now Donald Trump is the no. <laughs> but you know what? I, you know, really, the final word is. I, 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 I love being on your show, and certainly I know you're on my show on Saturday mornings and uh, the balance at TBA. Shameless plug at TBA. Uh, you know, and certainly follow us on Facebook and, and, and Twitter. And every Saturday morning uh, for two hours, we, we talk sports. We talk everything from racing to NFL, college football. Really, kind of the whatever's in season, that's what we're talking about on the balance. And always like having you on, Rick. Love being on your show. You've got a great, great thing, great audience. Man, I tell you what. Well, I'm still learning the gig. Quite, you know, I've done it for a month and a half, so I'm just trying to be more smooth uh, of a host, uh, get more of a variety on the show, and get people uh, more engaged with just variety of topics. That's the best thing I, I can do. This show, to me, really, we're getting ready to lose our national feed here, but that's okay. If you want to listen to the rest of the show, download on iTunes. Uh, you can stream it live here on the website. Uh, go to YouTube. Get it that way. But uh, this show, to me, is really just more of a playground for us sports fans. Just come together, talk about sports, have fun talking about whatever is going on, you know, in the entertainment world. Uh, I'm open to anything. I just, uh, only thing I ask, don't bring really a whole lot of politics into it because I don't really like talking politics. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, this, this program is more of a, 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 a playground for us, uh, yeah, sports fans and just, just whatever, especially veterans. I mean, I'm trying to do a lot through the show here to reach out, out there there. Veteran. I'm an Air Force veteran. I mean, there's nothing to talk to some veterans and talk sports and just talk about your service and whatever you want to do to talk about. Definitely, please call in the show. So that's that's my final word. You can you got anything else, Tom? <laughs> no, I'm good. I appreciate being on, buddy. I mean, really, I love your show, man, and uh, and certainly we'll, we'll we'll promote it over on our social media and stuff as well. So and and uh, so. Yeah, thanks for having me on, my brother from another mother. Yeah, anytime, buddy. Man, thanks for coming on. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. All right, see you. That was Tom Marquez, host of The Balance. Catch it every Saturday morning from 9 to 11 Eastern time. You know, it's confusing because I'm in Central Time Zone, so I have to watch out what I say promoting my show and his show. 9 to 11 Eastern time. Uh, the balance uh, every Saturday morning, various topics, you know, we do college football, NFL, whatever's in season, like he said, you know, racing still going on right now. He has great guests. He has Ed Kratz on, you know, a, a lot of weeks, beat writer for the Eagles. He has Steve Wilson from on com talk, talking NASCAR. He has yours truly on most weeks. I mean, I mean, who wouldn't want to call into his show and listen to me? Yeah. Well, they'll answer that. So, <laughs> but anyway, this has been, I love chaos episode. It was kind of chaotic of the option pitch tonight. And like I said, I've missed any part of the show or miss, uh, you know, we lost a live feed here a little bit ago. So you have to catch this stuff, but on iTunes, download on iTunes, you can go to YouTube, search the option pitch radio show. You can even go to tune in. You listen live on tune in, but even after live, you can just catch it on a, you can just stream it through you uh, tune in. Go to Podcast Attic. We're on Podcast Attic. Uh, usually I have a link to the show on the uh, Facebook page. On my Twitter account, uh, it's at Option Pitch or at Riggin underscore Rick, the Facebook page, obviously, Facebook.com backslash Option Pitch. This 
concludes this week's episode. Uh, we will catch you again next Wednesday. Thank you. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.